verse 22 and 23, we have been doing a series on the Holy Spirit. And in this series on the Holy Spirit, we've now come to the fruit of the Holy Spirit in uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I won't read the previous verses just for the sake of time. But we've been spending some time on this chapter and on this portion of Scripture looking at what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? What is the evidence or what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? It says this in Galatians 5, beginning in verse 22, it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We'll spend a few moments this morning on this one. Patience goes on to say kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's pray. Lord, I pray your hand of blessing upon everything that's said and done today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for just who you are and how you work in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that we have had the opportunity and the privilege today to take some time to remember all that you have done for us. We thank you for the cross. And we thank you, Lord, for forgiveness of sin. But we also thank, are thankful, Lord, that when we are born again, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, you've given us a precious gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that, that Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you come and you dwell within us. And so we thank you for your work in our lives. We thank you that that we were not left to do this alone, but you have sent another comforter, one, Jesus said, that was even greater than himself. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would have your will in your way. May we be sensitive to you. May we be aware, Lord, of your work in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The moment we're saved, the Bible says, the moment that we are born again, when we accept Jesus Christ, we receive a precious gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that it's the earnest, it's what we call the down payment of, of in essence, eternal life. And it's a evidence, it's a proof that you are truly a child of God. When you accept Jesus Christ, something supernatural happens, and that is the Bible says Jesus said you are born again. You are born again spiritually. There was once a time when Jesus met with a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and he was a very spiritual man. He was a leader in the synagogue, if you will. He was a leader of the Jewish people, a man of great renown and great respect. And the Bible says he set up a secret meeting with Jesus most likely because he was ashamed, because he had questions and he wanted answers. And he came to Jesus and even referred to him as a master, as a teacher. And, and Jesus, and he says, you're a good teacher. And Jesus said, there's no one good but God. And as he has this conversation, he begins to ask Jesus questions. And Jesus immediately, just quickly, kind of cuts to the chase. Jesus says this, if you want to have eternal life and if you want to enter into the kingdom, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says to Jesus, he says, how can I, a man be born again when he's old? How can I do that? How can that be? How can I be born again? Can I enter back into my mother's womb a second time? 
Wow, that's just a graphic thought right there. He says, can I enter back? And Jesus says, no, no, no. And he goes on to say, he says that there's a physical birth. He says there's there's a natural physical birth. He says, but then there's also a spiritual birth. He says, don't be shocked. Don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. That which was born of the, the spirit is spirit. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh. He even uses an analogy of the water. He says that there's that which is born of the water, and that was a physical birth. He says, because when a, when a woman gives birth, what happens? The water breaks. And he says, but there's also a, a supernatural spiritual birth. He says, but don't be shocked when I tell you, you must be born again. So at the moment of, of salvation, the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, it is supernatural. It's the work of God. The Spirit of God comes and dwells within us. And when that Spirit comes and dwells within us, things change. As we read earlier, we don't have time, but earlier in this chapter, we've read it the previous weeks, he says that, that we have our own fleshly desires. And that the manifestations of our, our own natural man is to do sinful things. He says, but when you are born of the Spirit, when the Spirit comes inside of you, now you have within you the desire to please God. You have a desire to live for God. And with that desire to live for God, the Holy Spirit will be manifested in you and you will have love, you will have joy, you will have peace. And this morning he says here, you will have patience or some versions will use the word endurance perseverance and here's another one kind of an old english word long suffering to suffer long to be long suffering so what does it look like to be filled with the spirit well here the bible tells us that the manifestations of fruit of spirit will be kindness and love and patience endurance a patient endurance that we'll be able to suffer long that these will be things that will manifest in our lives as a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? It means this, that these are not gifts. These are not talents. These are not things that that you were born with. These are things that are a result of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Am I making sense this morning? Well, that person's just gifted in patience. They're just, that you know, they have more patience than I do, and they're just gifted in it. No, this isn't a gift. Over the years, listen, when you've pastored for over 20 years and when you work with people, over the years there have been times where people within the church and sometimes even in church leadership. And I remember uh, pastoring in in mid-Missouri and I remember one time a lady just basically saying, you know what, I just don't put up with people's stuff and I just tell people how it is. And you know what, you know what, Pastor Joe, I don't have patience. I'm not long-suffering. I just let them have it. And I said, oh, so what you're saying is you're not really filled with the Spirit then. Come on now. (laughs) And I remember, what do you mean by that? That's not my gift. That's not my talent. I'm not gifted. I don't have the gift of patience. I said, that's not in the Bible. One of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. You'll put up with people. And I said, I wouldn't be, and I you know, I knew them well enough. I, then I went on to say, I wouldn't be bragging about how carnal you are and how you're not filled with the Spirit. And man, you, 
I wouldn't brag about that. I've heard people say, you know, and, and even a lot of times in church as well, well, that's just the way I am, and you're just going to have to get used to it. That's just who I am. That's my personality. Listen, that is a cop-out, and that is an excuse. Come on. Come on now. It's a cop-out, and it's an excuse. That's my personality. That's who I am. Can I remind you of something? The Holy Spirit is powerful and the Holy Spirit can change and transform lives. That even if you are not, in essence, a patient person, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, He can cause us to learn to be patient. Patience means to be patient, persevere, to endure, to be long-suffering. Paul gives the Christian life the analogy of a couple different things. One thing he says a Christian life is like a marathon. How many of you have ever ran a marathon? I have not, and I have no desire to. We have, how many of you have ran a marathon? Awesome. Look at this. We have, some, we have marathon runners in here. Good for you. Wow. I drove 26.2 miles once, and I was exhausted. <laughs> I had to pull over and go to the bathroom. That is, a, I mean, that is enduring. And Paul uses the analogy of the word, the word marathon in that, that race. He says that the Christian life is a race. He says the Christian life is not a sprint. And he uses the, the analogy and he says, so run that you may obtain. And I love how Paul uses different sports scenes and different analogies. And he says, really, he says the Christian life is a long, enduring race. And notice I said enduring race, because regardless of how many times you run each day or each week, the run 26 miles is in, is, takes endurance, doesn't it? I think we even have someone, where's he at? Is that you, brother? How, what's the longest you've ran or had the longest run you've ever done? This guy right here. Uh, he, do you know there's guys who do the 100 milers? How many times have you run the 100? Six times. Let me ask you something. Does it almost just completely break you? Is it exhausting? Amen. Always thinking of the goal. Notice what he said. He doesn't think about finishing. Think about the next 10 miles, the next 10 miles, the next 10 miles, the next 10 miles, 100 milers. That's a long run. I've met other people. I knew that he had run a number of those. In order to run that race takes endurance, takes perseverance. When you finish the first 10, you have to go, oh boy, I got to get ready for the next 10 and the next 10 and the next 10. You know, the Christian life is much like that, isn't it? It's running the next 10 and the next 10 in the next 10. Another analogy that the Bible uses, and I can relate more to this one, is Paul says we wrestle not. He says we wrestle not in Ephesians. He says against flesh and blood. 
Wrestling is a, another one of those sports that's grueling. It takes endurance. It takes, I mean, tremendous amount of, of if you will, conditioning. It's exhausting. It is just physically exhausting uh, in a different way. You know, Paul uses these analogies about the Christian life. Listen to what James 5.11 says. We'll read it here. But uh, in James 5, he talks about and gives an illustration of the life of Job. And we know the story of Job in the, in the life of Job. And he went through a season of suffering. But it says this. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance... You know about Job, notice this, say these words with me, a man of what? Great endurance. Remember this, it says you can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. The Christian life can be grueling. The Christian life can be challenging. The Christian life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And, and he uses this analogy, and, and he says, Paul says here in Galatians to the church, that one manifestation of the Holy Spirit is that we'll have endurance, that we'll have patience through suffering. And we see that James used the example of a man by the name of Job who endured great suffering. It says that he endured. Can I also remind us of something that, it, that this endurance is, is this, is that, that we're going through suffering, we're going through trial, but we're doing it, in a way that still brings honor and glory to God. That when we suffer, like Job, that it is, is such a way that we still honor God, that we still glorify God. That as we're going through the difficult time, Job said this, he says, I will not sin against God. I will not curse God. So not only was Job a man of endurance and patience, but it was how he endured. Are you with me? I think this is so important. I think this is key. It's kind of like this. Let me go back a little bit. It's like obedience. How you obey is also important. We should obey, but our attitude about obeying should be important. For example, if we say to our kids, if I say to one of my kids, I won't name names or which one, because being the pastor's kid just sucks sometimes, you know? You're always the illustration. But if you have to say one of the kids, go clean your room. And let's say they're going to go clean the room and they're going to be obedient. But when they go to clean the room, they have the worst attitude ever. They walk in, I can't be fully a freaking, freaking, gotta clean my stupid, freaking, gotta clean my room. My, my parents are. And that's just how my wife acts. That's not even how my kids act. Wow, you guys really, you're paying attention this morning, you know? That's just my wife. Oh, my kids. But how we, or if my wife says, hey, you know, let, you know let's, and, and if I have that attitude, and yeah, maybe I'm there, but that's, that's, not, that, that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's not saying like in this obedience or in this endurance that we're griping and complaining and fussing and feuding and, you know, or whatever. The idea is this, that we're doing it gracefully. Maybe that's a better way of saying it, that we gracefully endure. Amen. That's what he's saying. And so Job set a great example. What's amazing to me is Job did not even have the filling of the Holy Spirit, yet he was so in tune with God. You and I have the privilege of the Holy Spirit to help us. You know, we don't think about it like this, but in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and go, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And if Job could do it without the Holy Spirit, then how much more should you and I be able to live this Christian life with the power of the Holy Spirit? Somebody say amen there. I think about Paul. Let me give you a couple passages in the life of Paul. 2 Corinthians 6, 
4 through 6. 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 6. Listen to these words. This is Paul. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure. Notice how he endures. He doesn't just say we endure. It's patiently or gracefully endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. <laughs> Listen to what Paul says. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity our understanding, our patience, our kindness. Notice, that's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. He says, in the midst of all of these things, of being beaten and exhaustion, and, you know, look at the list that he talks about. He says, we prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness. By what? By the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. In the midst of all that he's going through, they were able to gracefully endure, to patiently endure and who does Paul give the credit to the Holy Spirit he says we were still able to be kind and loving and considerate and compassionate you know fill in the blank he says we were able to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit look at 2nd Corinthians 11 this whole chapter I would encourage you to read this chapter I don't have time to go into the context but it was basically Paul basically confronting false teachers and false preachers and those who question Paul's authority. And Paul kind of gives them a whole rundown in 2 Corinthians 11. But notice what Paul says. Of these, he says, are they servants of Christ? Question mark, speaking about the false teachers, false preachers. But notice what he says. I, he says, I know I sound like a madman. He says, but I have served him, speaking of Christ, far more. He says, I have worked harder Listen to what he says, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys, I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities and in the deserts and on the seas. And I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, notice this word, enduring many, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. And he says, I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep warm. Then beside all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all of the churches. By the way, Paul was living his best life, wasn't he? Man, that just does not fit into to that, you know, living your best life now. That does not fit into this prosperity gospel. Say yes to Jesus and you're going to drive brand new cars and live, you know, whatever, you know. I mean, that just not, does not fit in. But notice what Paul says. He says, we endured these things. And as you study the life of Paul and the ministry of Paul, he endured them gracefully, patiently, endurance. 
That's why he says a Christian life is a marathon and it's grueling and it's, it, 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 it's not always going to be easy. As the life of Job is an example that there will be seasons of suffering and so we must therefore be patient. We must endure. And only the power of the Holy Spirit can enable us to do that. When you look at that list of things that Paul went through, being whipped basically 39 times, the lashes, 39 times, you know, whipped five different times, being whipped 39 times, being beaten with rods over and over and over at different occasions, being stoned and left for dead. I don't even have time to share it with you, but if you were to go in description, read carefully, Paul had many, many ailments, many scars, many bruises. Paul says that he's better off not in the presence because of his, because of his appearance. Paul suffered with many things where he called out to God. Remember, he, the Bible says in, that he, cra- he prayed and asked God to remove the thorn in his flesh. He had health ailments. Beyond that, uh, it's a whole other teaching, but he had a, a, literally a demon that was attached to Paul to persecute Paul and to try to discourage Paul. And Paul carried the weight and the burden of all of these churches as he loved them and cared for them, wrote letters. He was imprisoned. And most of the letters we read are from a place called prison. Some in Rome and in different places. He's under house arrest. He says he's gone hungry. He's shivering in the cold. Didn't have enough clothes half the time. Many a times with little or no clothes, half naked in a prison cell somewhere. And he's writing a letter and he loves the church. And yet you never see Paul bitter or angry at God. How can anyone do that? How can they live that life? How can that be? It is the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul said. No other greater example than the life of Christ himself. As we took a few moments this morning to remember what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, we're reminded that Jesus Christ suffered gracefully. Amen? That Jesus, the Bible says, he endured the cross. That Jesus, as he hung on the cross and as he was spit upon and beaten and mocked, and tortured and everything that he went through, what does he do? He responds with kindness. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How is it that Jesus Christ could go through all that he went through, endure everything that he he endured, and still do it lovingly and gracefully? It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Look with me at 2 Timothy Chapter 3, we'll put the verses here, 10 through 12. He says this, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach. Paul was writing to Timothy. He says, and how I live and what my purpose in life is. Notice what he says. You know my faith, you know my what? Patience. Or he said my endurance. Everyone who knew Paul knew of his patience, knew of his endurance. And he talks about his love. And he says, and you know how much persecution and suffering I have endured? He says, you know this. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. But he says, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Amen. 
And then he says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Did you catch that? We love the promises of God, don't we? Like the one that we love, we claim all the time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. By the way, we can. Praise the Lord. Great promise. We love this one. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. How many of you know that one? Love that one. Amen. How about in Jeremiah, you know, 33, where he says, Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you, that you can't even comprehend, that you don't even, that you, you know not. I mean, we love that one. How about this one, though? You guys love this one? All who live godly shall or will, it's a promise, suffer persecution. How many of you love that one? No takers. Yes, there we go. We got one. It's going to happen. You live for the Lord at some point in your life, there's going to be some type of persecution. Now remember, Paul's writing to Timothy at a time when Rome is in power. And man, to be a Christian was basically, in essence, a death sentence. Paul ends up dying after he writes that letter. He dies a martyr's death. Every single one of the apostles, other than John, who was exiled to Patmos, died. Persecution. All who live godly shall and will suffer persecution. So do you understand the importance of why we need the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit, one of the manifestations is what? This, endurance, patience under trial. One last passage, we're finished. Ephesians 4, 1 through 4. There's the persecution from without. Ephesians 4, 1 through 4. I like this. Paul, a prisoner, here we go, he writes this letter, a prisoner, therefore I, Paul writing, a prisoner, why, for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life, he begs the Ephesian church, he begs you, he begs all of us, to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, or always be humble and kind. This is what he says, be patient with each other. Listen to these words, be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. Amen? Paul says this, he says, Endure suffering, endure trial, endure temptations, endure all these things gracefully. But he also says, he says, you know, endure the persecution from without. But he also says, hey, brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, be patient with one another. Put up with one another. Be long-suffering with one another. He's talking about within the church, within the body. He says, make allowance for each other's faults. Let me ask you this question. Is there anyone here that's without fault? No. Jesus is the only one. And he's with us. But here's the thing. There's not any one of us that is without fault. There's not any one of us that's perfect. There's not any one of us that doesn't have areas in our life that we could grow on. Amen? We're all a work in progress. Amen? Is that true? 
You know what Paul says? He says, you know what? By the power of the Holy Spirit, make allowances for one another. Be patient with one another. Be kind. Jesus said this, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you what? Have what? Love one toward another. He was speaking with, within the body of Christ, believers. And so Paul says, listen, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, what does it look like? To be patient. To put up with each other. To endure. To be, the other term we would use, long-suffering. To suffer long. To put up with your pastor. To put up with his silly jokes. Amen? To be long-suffering. We don't think it matters. But can I say this? How the body of Christ treats one another matters. It matters to this world. It matters to the community. It matters whether or not we're patient with each other and put up with each other. Because you want to know something? This is a small town. (laughs) I am finding out it is a small town. How many of you know it's a small town, right? In the way we treat one another and how we talk and how we respond to each other, it affects the entire community. You know what Paul was saying to the church of Ephesus? He said, within everything you can, keep, keep the bond of peace through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Put up with each other. Love each other. Be kind. Be compassionate. And again, you say, well, that's not my nature. I can't do it. I know you can't. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can. Amen. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we can give and make, if you will, allowances for our brothers and our sisters' faults. Put up with each other. Most of the time, when we think being filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm not trying to be unkind or mean here, we immediately think, oh, well, gifts and talents and abilities and healing and prophecy and tongues and all of these things. And I'm not trying to say anything negative. I'm not. That's not. But what I'm trying to say is this, is that so many times we think that, that to be filled with the Spirit is this big, huge show and production. But can I tell you something? One of the greatest manifestations of the Holy Spirit is just to be patient with one another. When maybe it's difficult to be patient. Maybe one of the greatest demonstrations of the Holy Spirit is like the life of Job. That Job probably never thought that him just being patient and suffering gracefully would be a testimony to the glory of God. But you want to know something? We still know the name of Job today, don't we? You'll hear people say the statement, the patience of who? He has the patience of Job. Job never realized that him just patiently, gracefully enduring would be a testimony to the glory of God. Maybe some of you are going through trial and struggle and difficulty right now. And right now you're in that season of having to endure. But can I say this? Keep being patient. Keep enduring. Suffer long. And know that God is faithful. Amen? And when you get to the other side, all the glory will go to God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We 